Macio. Macio. Bye-bye. I've got it. The opening? Yes. What is it? A map. The what? Directions. Where people should look to find me. Okay. Give me a moment. Hmm. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Yes, but how is it the map? If someone wants to find me, those are the groups they should look for. And then? You are the salt of the earth. <laughs> well, good morning. Welcome to Berlin Christian Church, where our mission is to make more and better followers of Jesus Christ. My name is Michael Hinnon, and I have the privilege of being one of the ministers here. And whether you're here in person or worshiping with us online, we want you to know we are grateful that you have chosen to worship King Jesus with us today. Today we are continuing our series on Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 5, 
through 7. And last week, we just kind of gave an introduction to the sermon and how Jesus is inviting us into a different kind of life, into a different kind of kingdom. And that's why we have titled the series Different. And today we are going to begin actually looking at the first words of this famous sermon. So I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 is where we're going to start. If you don't have your Bibles, we have some pew Bibles in front of you, and also the scripture text will be on the screen, so you'll be covered. But as you turn there, I want you to think about if you were going to preach a sermon, some of you are like, nope, I'm already out. I would never in a million years preach a sermon, would never get in front of people. But if you were going to preach a sermon, and this is going to be the most famous sermon ever, how would you start? Would you start with a funny story? Would you start with a moving story? Jesus doesn't begin with a story at all. He begins with one word. He begins with the word blessed. Blessed. Now, Jesus' disciples, the people who were around him, they were Jewish people, and they would have heard this word, and immediately they would have thought, of the blessings in the Old Testament. They would have thought of places like Leviticus chapter 26 and 27 and Deuteronomy chapter 28, where God's people are promised that if they do what God is calling them to do, then they will be blessed. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 28, this is a chapter about how God's chosen people, his special people, how if they obey him, they will receive blessings. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 2, here's what it says. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow the commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All of these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And so if you read through the rest of Deuteronomy chapter 28, you'll hear how if God's people will obey them, then they will receive his blessings. They will receive his provisions. They will receive security from all their enemies. They will have great crops and they will have great families. And so the the people in the Old Testament, they would have had a formula that was something like this. First, they would have said, we're saved by grace through faith, just like we are saved by grace through faith. But then obedience equals blessings. That's the formula. Obedience equals blessings. It's not too different from how we use the word blessing today. If we say someone is blessed, we would say that they are successful. Maybe they have a good family. Maybe they have lots of money. That's how we would kind of use the word blessed. But in the New Testament and how Jesus uses the word blessed, it's a little bit different. And maybe some of your Bibles, they don't actually say blessed. Some of them might say happy. And that's not a terrible translation for this word blessed, but happiness is not really all Jesus is talking about because today in our world, happiness just kind of means how I feel in the moment. And this word blessed means more than that. In fact, if you go back to how it was used in ancient Greece, this word is a word that was used of the gods. This is a condition of the gods. They are happy and they are blessed and they are living a carefree existence. They're blessed. But then that word began to be used for people, and what it would mean is like they had the favor of the gods upon them. That's what blessed meant. And then in the New Testament, the way that it it still means that, that God's favor is upon people, but it's more than just that. Like no matter what the circumstances, you have God's favor upon you. 
A better translation might be, most congratulations to you, or wonderful news to you. And so if we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, this is a sermon for these Jewish disciples, and they hear that Jesus begins his sermon, blessed are, and they think they know what Jesus is going to say. Blessed are the healthy, the wealthy, and the wise. Blessed are the obedient. And yet Jesus completely flips what his hearers are expecting him to say. Listen to what he says in verses 3 through 5. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is the exact opposite of the kinds of people that they would expect to be blessed and we would expect to be blessed. Dallas Willard calls these kinds of people spiritual zeros because they have nothing to offer for God. And yet Jesus looks at these kinds of people and he says, most congratulations to you. Wonderful news to you because God's favor is upon you. I think right from the get-go of this sermon, he wants to make sure that his disciples and that we don't fall asleep. I know that sometimes when I listen to a sermon, and none of you are guilty of this, uh, but when you listen to a sermon, you think you know where the preacher's going to go, so you just start dozing off. Yeah, I've seen some of you do it. Uh, And so um, Jesus is going to make sure that we don't doze off, right? Like sometimes when I go to one of my favorite uh, things to do when we go on a weekend retreat, like take the youth to a weekend retreat. We went to uh, SciComm in November, which is this international conference on mission in Columbus. It was awesome. But I always tell the kids, like, make sure you get some sleep because tomorrow you're going to be exhausted. And almost inevitably, all of them stay up later than they should have stayed up. And then so they're exhausted the next day. And so what I like to do the next day is when they start dozing off is I like to take a picture of them to blackmail them or to send to their parents, all right? And there's normally three stages that happens when you start to doze off. Number one, you're just sitting there listening, and the eyes begin to get heavy and close, right? That's stage one. Stage two, you go from the eye close to the slight lean forward, okay? You go back, eye close, slight lean forward. I always just like love nudging my leaders like, watch this, this is gonna be great. And then you go to stage three, Eye close, lean forward, but you're not breaking that lean. That lean is straight forward, and then boom, what? I'm awake, I'm awake, right? Jesus is making sure that right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount that we don't doze off. This is not what we're expecting to hear him say. Maybe you've heard the Beatitudes a thousand times, but Jesus is saying most congratulations to the kinds of people who have nothing to offer the spiritual zeros. Most congratulations to them because the kingdom of heaven is for people like them. Pastor and scholar in Chicago, his name is Scott McKnight. Scott McKnight says, the original hearers, they would have heard this, and as they heard Jesus talking, they would have been like, wait, wait, wait. Am am I in? Am I one of these people in the kingdom of heaven or am I out? And I think that's a question we should ask ourselves too. Am I in or am I out? There's a debate about 
what the Beatitudes are actually trying to accomplish. What is Jesus trying to accomplish with the Beatitudes in this Sermon on the Mount? And some people will say, well, the Beatitudes are just this picture of the ideal disciple and all these virtues that we are to strive for. And if you look through the list in your Bible, there are some virtues that we should strive for. Verse 6, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's great. Verse 8, those who are pure in heart. Those, those seem like virtues that we should strive for. But then if you look at some of them, verse 3, the poor in spirit. Verse 4, those who mourn or crying. Verse 10, 11, and 12, those who are persecuted. I mean, those don't really sound like things that we should strive to do. And I wish that Jesus did kind of give us some commands here because I'm one of those people who I just like to accomplish things. So Jesus, you give me some commands and I will try and do them for you. I want to accomplish something. But if you look at the Beatitudes, there's no imperatives until you get to verse 12. There's no commands from Jesus. All you have are indicatives, truth statements about what Jesus is saying and who he truly values. And I think this is so important because at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, we need to know that we are not saved and blessed by what we do. We are saved and blessed by what Jesus has already done on our behalf. Because the rest of the sermon, Jesus is going to call us to change, to live a different kind of life, to live radically for him. But before he gets there, he wants us to remember that the blessed life and salvation is not something we can earn. It's just something that he gives to us. And so how do we interact with the Beatitudes. What are these? Well, I love how the Chosen clip, the, the Chosen is just a, a three-season show. It's going to be longer than that on the life of Jesus from his disciples' perspective. It's a great show. But I love how they portray the Beatitudes because Jesus calls them a map, a map of the kinds of people that he spends time with a map of the kinds of people who are in the kingdom of heaven. And so today, as we look at the Beatitudes, I want us to look at them as a map, a map of how Jesus' kingdom runs on different values. Well, I, we titled this sermon, Different Values, but maybe a better, uh, better title would be Different Valuables, because these are the kinds of people that Jesus sees as valuable, the kinds of people that the world will often say is worthless. Jesus says, no, they are valuable. Most congratulations to them because the kingdom of heaven is available to people even like them. And so we're going to look at these different values that Jesus offers us through the Beatitudes. And I think the best way to divide it up is into three sections of three. And so we see that Jesus values the humble over the confident in verses three through five. We see that Jesus values the just over the successful in verses six through eight. And then we see that Jesus values the peacemakers over the powerful in verses nine through 12. And we're going to break those up into three different sections. So Jesus values the humble over the confident. Look at verses 3 through 5 again with me. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus values the humble 
over the confident. And if you, if you look at those three things, the poor in spirit, when we think about the poor, these are probably likely those who are in need of help and also economically down. The poor is not people we typically look up to. They're at the bottom of the totem pole. Those who mourn. I mean, I think it's, I mean, this is horrible to say, but sometimes when you just see people who are mourning all the time and crying all the time, you just think, eh, they're a bunch of crybabies. I mean, get over it and move on. And then you, you get to verse 5 and you get the meek. And that's probably the best out of these uh, first three. Meek just means humble and gentle. Actually, it's uh, a word that's used to describe Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. I think that's beautiful that Jesus is meek. He's humble. He's gentle. He's accessible to all of us. But one, what I want us to notice is that the meek are often run over in our world. And don't forget what happens to Jesus at the end of his life. He is crucified partially because he is meek. These are not the kinds of people that our world would say valuable. And yet Jesus says to them, most congratulations to you. Wonderful news for you because yours is the kingdom of heaven. I think what will help us understand this passage better is to remember who is around Jesus at this time. Last week, I reminded us that this is a sermon for the disciples, but what I failed to mention is who these disciples actually were. Because when we think of the disciples, typically we think automatically to the 12 disciples that Jesus has called. But if you read through the Gospel of Matthew, at this point in Matthew, only four of the 12 have been called by Jesus. So who are these disciples? Who are these people that Jesus is talking to in this sermon? Well, thankfully for us, we hear who the disciples are in Matthew chapter 4. If you want to skim uh, up to the next chapter, Matthew 4, verse 24 and 25, we are told what kinds of people are around Jesus. It says this, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. These are the kinds of people who were following Jesus. The sick, the hurting, the needy. And yet Jesus says to these people, most congratulations to you. Why? Because they've come to the right person. And Jesus' kingdom life, this offer, this invitation into a different kind of life, into a different kind of kingdom, is for people like them. Jesus values the needy and the humble over the confident and the proud. I think there's a, a parallel passage that we can lay over this passage in Matthew chapter 5 from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61 is written to God's people who are in exile. They are the ones who have been literally and physically pulled away from their homes and moved into another country. These are the people who are crying, wondering, where is God in the midst of all of this suffering while I'm in exile? And to these people, listen to the comforting words of Isaiah 61. And I want you to compare it with Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Here's what Isaiah 61 says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted 
to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those in grief, who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Do you hear the similarities there? God is the kind of God who offers his kingdom to the needy and the humble and the brokenhearted. And he promises them that he will give them rewards. In the Beatitudes, if we look at verse 3, we see that there are some present rewards. He says in verse 3, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a present reality. Verse 10 is also, he says it again, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right now there are benefits for you. But there are also, if you look at verses 4 through 9, the rewards are all for the future. For another day. And so we live in this already, but not yet, where sometimes we will experience the goodness of God here, but sometimes we'll have to wait until later. Sometimes there are going to be moments when we are mourning and need comforted. And maybe that doesn't seem to come until later. But as Christians, we know that Jesus is going to return. And when he returns, he is going to make everything right. Revelation tells us that there will be no more mourning or crying, or pain, because the old order of things has passed away. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. And so the Beatitudes begin reminding us that Jesus values the people that the world typically doesn't. Jesus values the humble and the needy over the confident and the proud. The second uh, group of values that we see is that Jesus values the just over the successful. Look at verses 6 through 8 with me. Blessed, Jesus says, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed is the pure in heart, for they will see God. Jesus values the just over the successful. And what I mean by just is that word for righteousness, those who pursue righteousness. And righteousness is an important word in the gospel of Matthew. And what it simply means is someone who has a right relationship with God and other people. That's what it means. I mean, go to Matthew chapter 22, and and Jesus will say, the greatest commands are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to embody righteousness. You love God and love other people. And Jesus says, blessed are those people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who are longing for the world to be made right. Those longing to be in a right relationship with the Lord. And typically these aren't the people that the world values. Because, I mean, if we're honest, the people who, you know, they they hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean, they're not the people who are making a dent in the world. They're not the successful people, typically. I mean, maybe if they, they were striving for a career of success, maybe then they could make a difference in the world. Maybe, maybe if they just like made their appearance better and they were popular, then, then they could make a difference in the world. Maybe if they just like started a political career and they got voted into office, then they could make a difference in the world. But Jesus says about those people that they will always be hungering and thirsting for something greater that they will never feel fully satisfied. 
Many of you know who Madonna is. Madonna is maybe one of the greatest, uh, I'm not sure, musician or uh, one of the most popular musicians, performers the world has ever known or ever seen. I, I looked at some stats of her. She started her performing, performance career in like 1984. And over the last like 40 years, she's had a top 40 hit on the list over 10 years worth of that 40 years. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. It's bonkers. And at one time, Madonna was probably the most famous woman in the world. But her success was like drinking salt water because she just wanted more and more and more until she actually said this one time. She said, I won't be happy until I'm famous like God. I won't be happy listen to it, happy, blessed. I won't feel blessed until I'm famous like God. Success will never completely fill our deepest desires. And what Jesus says is the people who are filled, like they're so satisfied they just got done eating a Thanksgiving meal, turkey, stuffing, all that. The people who are satisfied, the people who will see God are those who pursue justice and righteousness. Though the world doesn't value these people, Jesus does, and he looks them in the eyes and he says, most congratulations to you because you are blessed. Value number three are the people who are peacemakers over the powerful. They're peacemakers over the powerful. Look at verses 9 through 12 with me. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus values the peacemakers over the powerful. And I think it's important that we take a step back and realize the context of when Jesus is saying these words. Because at this time, the Roman Empire is oppressing the Jewish people. Some historians say that the Jewish people were taxed 60 to 90 percent. Like we think Illinois is bad. 60 to 90 percent. And so there were some Jewish people who were expecting this Messiah figure to come. And he would come and he would devour the Roman Empire with violence. He'd come with a sword and he would completely destroy the Roman Empire and the Jewish people would once again reign as supreme. And into this conversation, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the powerful. You see, it's because Jesus seeks people who want reconciliation and not retaliation reconciliation and not retaliation. And the thing about reconciliation is that it's difficult because reconciliation, typically, if you're a peacemaker, you're the one who ends up getting hurt. Right? You, ever, you ever, just imagine with me, you see two brothers fighting and you see a neighbor run over there, runs over, stops the fight. He's the one who ends up getting punched because he's the one who stopped the fight. Oftentimes, the peacemaker is the one who ends up getting hurt. And if we just think about Jesus' life, who came as a peacemaker to reconcile us towards God. He's the one who took the ultimate punch by being crucified on the cross for us. 
Jesus values these kinds of people, these kinds of people who are in the trenches trying to make sure that this world is peaceful and often they are overrun by the powerful and the successful. And so Jesus says to these people, to the ones being persecuted, to the ones being made fun of, to the ones who everyone else has pushed aside, to them he says, you are blessed. Most congratulations to you. And then we hear the one imperative, the one command from this whole sermon. Rejoice and be glad in the midst of persecution. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. All of these rewards that he has been talking about for those in the kingdom of heaven, these are for these kinds of people. It's almost like there's an inevitability for the the people who follow Jesus and are in the kingdom of heaven that they will be persecuted. And yet Jesus says, blessed are you because all of these rewards will be given to you now and also in the future. Most congratulations to the peacemakers over the powerful. I think as we take a step back from the Beatitudes, we realize that Jesus' kingdom runs on different values. Jesus' kingdom runs on different values, and the people that he sees as valuable are the people who are stomped on. They're the people who want the world to be different than it is. They're the throwaway kinds of people, and yet Jesus looks at them and says, most congratulations to you, because you are blessed. And the kingdom of heaven is for people like you. About four or five years ago, Payless Shoes did an experiment slash prank where they set up a storefront in Los Angeles. And so they took their... $20 $20 to $40 shoes, and set up Paylessy as a luxury store. And so they, instead of selling their shoes for $20 to $40 like normal, they marked them up, $600, $700. And people flocked to the store. They thought this was a new fashion influencer. People came to the store. They raved about all of their shoes, and they paid six, dollars $700 for them. Eventually, Payless said to them, hey, we just want you to know, um, we're actually Payless shoes. And everyone is so shocked and flabbergasted. And Payless did this to try and help those people realize what you really care about is not the shoes. What you really care about is your image. What you really care about is the name brand. They had their values all wrong. And I think as followers of Jesus, it's so easy for us to do the same thing. To, to allow the world to change our values instead of valuing the kinds of things and the kinds of people that Jesus values. And so I think the Beatitudes invite us to ask two questions. The first question, I think it invites us to take out our own map and look at it and say, what do I value? Do I value the kinds of things that Jesus values? Do I value the kinds of people that Jesus values? If I don't, maybe I need to reassess my values and start to begin to change them. And then secondly, I think the question that we all need to ask ourselves is, is the kingdom of heaven available for someone like me? When you listen to that list of Beatitudes, do you think to yourself, I I don't know if I'm in there. Is the kingdom of heaven available to someone like me? And there are so many competing voices in our lives that will say, no, 
No, the kingdom of heaven is not available to you because you're poor, and you just have good news of Jesus is that we have a God who comes to us. We have a crucified Savior who comes to us in all of our dirtiness and all of our mess and says, hey, this kingdom is for people like you, and all I ask is trust, faith, loyalty. And so today, will you take a step of faith and enter into Jesus' kingdom? Will you begin to value the kinds of things and the people that Jesus values? The blessed life is not about success. It's not about money. The blessed life is about surrendering everything we have to a God who knows everything about us and still loves us deeply. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for these beatitudes. And there's such a, such a striving in our hearts to do these things. And yet you say, no, these are the people that I value. And so I pray for all of us in here that you would help us to know that we are invited into your kingdom. And what you want is our trust. You have loved us so much, so help us to love you in return. Holy Spirit, open our ears and our hearts to hear what you want us to hear today and then to live it out. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you'd like to talk with me about what it looks like for you to take your next step with Jesus, or if you'd like prayer at the end of this service, I'll be in the lobby, and I'd love to pray with you. Thank you.